0: Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Parabolic Performance and Rehab in Little Falls, New Jersey. And we hear from JC Egbert and his mother Carla. They both share JC's tale of surviving a swine flu-induced cardiac arrest episode and the subsequent anoxic brain injury that ensued. We also hear from his performance coach at Parabolic, Jonathan Hudak, and he talks to us about what he and other coaches at Parabolic have worked with JC on to get him back on the golf course. Be sure to go over to headsandtails.org for detailed show notes on this episode and to learn more about what the team at Parabolic has to offer. This is Kevin Som, you're listening to the Heads and Tails Podcast. We share stories of perseverance and inspiration in sports and in life. Welcome back to another episode of the Heads and Tails Podcast. Uh, today we're here with J.C. Egbert, um, who suffered... Uh, from paralysis after swine flu, and he was an exceptional golfer. He had a two handicapped before going to Gettysburg College, and within the second week, he, he came down with this uh, illness. Um, his mother, Carla, is also uh, on the interview, and we're also here with John Hudak, which is uh, JC's performance coach here at Parabolic Performance and Rehab. Um, so, JC, or, or Mom, you want to uh, kind of describe to the audience what exactly happened? Because it sounds like it's definitely like a freak accident that, that went down.
1: Yeah. it. Uh, I I don't really know
0: much. You don't remember much? No. Like What about leading up to it? So, like, was it, um, were you feeling, like, sick? You, it, because it's the swine flu that you think that it might be. So, um, were you feeling, like, you know, congestion, like classic, you know, flu-like symptoms leading up to it?
1: Well, I called my mom yeah. and asked her for my inhaler mm-hmm. the night before.
2: Yeah, the day before. Okay. Um, and he said, he and he hadn't needed it in, like, years. So he said he needed an inhaler. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I just sent a bunch of stuff to the school the day before. And I was like, God darn it, JC, are you kidding me? I have to send one more thing. <laughs> right. And, like, literally the next day we get a call saying he was in c- went into cardiac arrest and they were reviving him. In and class? In class. They didn't know if he was going to make it. And, um, you know, we would... You know, please meet us at the hospital and we'll, you know, keep in touch on your way down because it was a three hour drive. Right. Um, So basically what we think happened was JC was it was like this whole culmination of like the perfect storm of not feeling well. Um, It was 2009, the fall of 2009 and all of the colleges all over the East Coast were inundated with swine flu right and it was like in the new york times yeah i remember, it, yeah, it yeah, was I remember all over the news yeah yeah and i said to jc i remember saying to him you know make sure you i know you're gonna think i'm really corny but use purell and make sure you're washing your hands and right. i had no idea he was sick being even a mom, yeah. right being a mom and uh, whatever mom exactly
0: i'm sure the gaysburg frats are really clean so yeah <laughs> those oh, first God. couple of weeks <laughs>
2: <laughs> so he probably was exhausted and he was probably partying and um And sick all at the same time, and it just, yeah, yeah. and so he walked up, like, two flights of stairs. what was
0: that phone call, like, receiving that?
2: Oh, my God. I mean, we, I still have PTSD from it. We all do. Um, It was horrifying. I actually didn't get it. My husband got it, Um, and um, so he called me, and I just, like, you know, we all freaked out and met at our house whole family and we literally took a car and drove for no, three hours no police escort no actually we tried to get one on the highway because oh, we really? were freaking out and we were you know every time my husband's phone would ring we were just we you know you, you you almost die it's right. horrible
0: i'm sure you and my mom could uh could have some, yes. a good conversation well, yeah. Um, all right. So what were the obstacles like when, when we got to the hospital? So like, what was the diagnosis? I mean, obviously, right. I guess they revived him, you know, yeah, if he was he going was into cardiac arrest. Yeah, so revived several times. Can you take us through that whole
2: um, situation? Yeah. Um, so.
0: I'm sure JC doesn't remember He this doesn't part. remember yeah. any of
2: this. We've, and he's heard it 5,000 times. Yeah. Um, we arrived and he was, you know, completely out of it in a coma. Um, they were, oh God, they were. Basically, they said that there are three things that we're going to do to keep him alive. And it was, you know, that's horrifying. And we're in this small little uh, hospital in York, York, Pennsylvania. He had already been at Gettysburg Hospital. Then he was transferred to York. And so there's three things that we're going to do to keep him alive. And I can't even tell you what they were because I don't remember a thing. I was so completely out of it. Um, And so through the night, as they were... Doing the, you know, we were like not allowed in there because w- he was on. Uh, what do you call it when you're, you know, you have to put the the masks oh, and the uh, the gowns so on. Not
0: isolation. Kind it's of. Like yeah. I was in it too because I had an infection from my surgery. Uh, What's it called?
2: I, I don't I know. I don't know. I'll think of yeah. it. <laughs> but kind of isolation. Yeah. So we, um, you know, I just laid outside on one of those loungers all night and just looked at him, and prayed to God. Right as they would do all these things to keep him alive. And I remember them saying, you know, you can go and talk to him, and that really does work. And I was like, really? Because I've heard that. that, (laughs) So anyway, they were like on the third thing to keep him alive the next morning. They put him on an ECMO machine. And um, luckily... I'm sorry. I'm like you know. It's like it's a, a bunch of scattered. Yeah, lots of going on. Yeah. Um, anyway, lots of stuff going on. They put him on an ECMO machine, which is a, a heart and bypass machine. And luckily, this hospital just happened to have a portable one, which is ironic. I mean, it's crazy that they even had an ECMO machine, but then to have a portable, portable one,
0: it's even more rare.
2: So that we had to decide on moving him to another hospital because they basically said, um, you know, does he have a living will? because he's probably gonna be a vegetable and, you know, and we just hugged each other and our daughter was with us and she was, you know, worried that we weren't gonna be able to survive this without, right. you know, the loss of a child. It was horrifying. So we got we decided to send him to U Penn hospital on a on a helicopter, um, with a portable ECMO and that was kind of the beginning worked. of the story, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah.
0: So what were, so JC or mom, what were your initial obstacles, you know, once uh-huh. you, I guess, survived this ordeal?
1: Well, I was still in a coma.
2: Yeah, for, for like a few days.
0: At at University of Pennsylvania? Right. Okay.
2: But then he woke up. This happened on a Wednesday. And so
0: like, when did up. you realize that you were paralyzed?
1: Not until Mount Sinai.
2: Yeah, I mean, paralyzed, he wasn't really paralyzed, he just, um, he had a dropped foot. Okay. Uh, he had an anoxic brain injury, so unlike you, you right, had right, right. more TBI, he had an anoxic brain injury, so, which is, you know, loss of oxygen to the brain. Gotcha. And he, um, kind of like a stroke. Right. So he had a dropped foot from this. Yeah, and I
0: mean, I, in my questions, I don't know if you know Corey Weissman. Yeah. Oh,
1: God, yeah. I <laughs> mean, yeah, yeah.
0: He, I had him on the podcast. He was like one of my first episodes. But I know he's like a Gettysburg College kid. Had a stroke. <laughs> yeah. um, How really crazy cool guy. Is yeah, that? small world, right?
2: That happened the year before this happened to JC. Okay. Yeah. So and I think this is really crazy. I think the the golf coach the, is also the coach the of the basketball. basketball. Yeah, of the oh, basketball. So okay. that poor guy. Don't worry about it. That poor guy had you know two years in a row like the worst case scenario um, athletes. Right. seriously <laughs> crazy yeah like
0: what are the odds of that i know i um, know
2: but cory is amazing we met we had uh, lunch with him one day he's nice
0: yeah he's been on another podcast that i've done with another athlete who had a stroke and stuff yeah he's a really good guy and, and he he's an athletic movie. trainer now yeah. oh he is yeah netflix movie thousand one yeah, go know. check it out if you haven't seen we it. did we saw it it's um great. all right so when did you start thinking about golf
1: probably in the hospital like three months player
0: so, like, what, what was it? Like, am I ever going to – can I ever play again? Or, like, what what kind of thoughts and feelings were going through your head at this point in time? This is something I can really relate to because I was told that I couldn't ever play football again when they were wheeling me into surgery. And I was like, you know, now now what? So, I'd like to hear, you know, kind of what what uh, you were thinking.
1: Yeah, just that, can I ever play again?
0: So, at that point where you're like, did you ask the doctors? Did you ask your, your mom? Like, when did you start, you know – did um, you start working, right. you know, out here at, at Parabolic? Like, what were the next steps um, to kind of get you towards, um, you know, playing again?
1: Well, I spent the next three months in well.
2: Yeah, I mean, totally, total hospital stay was probably five or six months. So, and then we did outpatient. So, he couldn't even, he actually, JC had to learn how to walk right. and talk again and do everything, you know, everything. He had to learn how to right. do take a shower by himself, everything. So, and his speech was, you know, obviously he's he's still working on his speech. Um, But so I don't even think we, I mean, you probably were thinking about golf and we were all thinking about just Mm -hmm. leading a normal life, which includes golf.
0: But I don't think... Who who kind of influenced you to get into golf?
1: Um, My dad, probably.
0: Yeah? Did you start at a young age?
1: Yeah. Five. That's pretty young. Yeah. I
0: guess that would explain why you're so good. (laughs) John, can you kind of talk to us about you know, what kind of strengths that golfers need to be, you know, elite level golfers like, uh, JC is.
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, as a performance coach, we look at golfers like we would any other athlete or person that comes in and and there's certain movements they need to be able to do just to function with everyday activities. And then with golf, you're talking about really high velocities, um, you know, rotational speed that needs a lot of mobility through the hips, through the back, through the shoulders. Um, and just the sequencing that goes behind that, and being able to coordinate, um, and then hit a ball at a target is, is a is a really challenging thing to do. I, I pretend to play myself sometimes, and, and and I know it's not easy. So there's a lot that goes into it that just takes years and years of practice. Um, but from a physical preparation standpoint, yeah, you know, we we tend to focus on on those kind of qualities. Okay. You know, base level movements, basic strength. Um, but then we get them. You know, we get them rotating and and working on some power and, and things that they might not be doing on their own to help with their with their game.
0: All right. Um, so, JC, what were your goals in terms of your golf career, you know, before your uh, injury?
1: Probably high level amateur.
0: All right. So, how, John, how are you working with JC now um, to kind of work through some of his, uh, ad, you know, or adapt his golf swing and stuff like that to um, his, his new way of life?
3: Um, yeah, so in here we, we, like I said, we work a little bit. We, we work on all the same skills that we would with anybody else, but we just do it, and, and we focus on what what he can do. So we do a lot of, you know, we do some rotational med ball throws, um, you know, sitting on a box, and and he does a lot of a lot of heavy strength work, you know, relative to to what a lot of people would do. He, he's pulling heavy heavy kettlebells, um, pushing a heavy sled. Um, it's incredible what he's been able to do in here and I'm I'm actually the third coach to work with him here he started out with Angelo our performance director and then moved on to, to Justin Moore um, who they both did just an incredible job based on what I heard and where he mm-hmm. where he was when he started by the time I got to him he was already pushing himself really hard with a lot of this stuff and we've just kind of picked up from there and and made little progressions and, and little changes and pushed them a little bit and, and we try to make it fun in here and make this kind of an outlet for him also
0: awesome so uh jc what have you liked most about you know starting to work out again you know at, at, at parabolic
1: um it, people they're great
0: yeah yeah like the trainers yep so what else like what was the, what did it feel like when you lifted up that first kettlebell you know when you go from <laughs> learn how to walk again learn how to talk again You know, you lift that first kettlebell or throw that first med ball. Like, what was, what kind of feelings did did that uh, Um, bring you?
1: Definitely pretty hard.
0: So you're like, oh, this is hard. I don't want to do this anymore.
2: (laughs) It's so good, though, because he, like, just, he can do, he can plank now. I mean, his hand, his left hand, he couldn't even, like, move it. Right. And now he can, you know, he's just so, so strong. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So he went from, like, physical therapy. For three or four days a week to coming here two days a week and doing things that, you know, most people would never be able to do, which is incredible.
0: Awesome. John, have you worked with any other adaptive athletes like uh, JC before, Go, before working with them or?
3: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I guess in my 10th year now in the field and, and you see all different, all different kinds of clients. And, and, you know, I remember my first year we had a young athlete, you know, born with one arm. Uh, and. I've worked with kids age six all the way to to mid 80s, and, and you know, a woman in, in her in her young 80s who had gone through a stroke and, and was in a coma for a while and, and was very limited. And You've definitely had
0: a spectrum there. Mm. Yeah,
3: yeah, and and you know, kind of similar to JC, she she had come out and and had never really expected to. Um, her family and friends were told that was kind of it. So it, it's you know. And, and J.C.'s been this way as well. She just looked at things like a new lease on life and just a second chance to do all the things she wanted to do. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and even though she might be limited physically versus what she was before, and just the attitude that, that her and, and that J.C. come in with, it's it's awesome to see.
0: Awesome. So how did you approach J.C.'s, like, programming?
3: Yeah, so I, I took over from, from Justin Moore, who, who's a really, really strong programmer. And I didn't really – overhaul anything uh we made a couple of changes one thing one thing we added in like i said he was already pulling heavy kettlebells uh, you know high intensity work for him he was working on walking without the cane uh one thing we added once he started with me or after a couple months maybe was working on getting up and down off the ground without support and and we've tried to make that a little competitive and fun and, and you know one thing one thing i've done with the stuff that he had already been doing uh, we try to set little goals, and, and sometimes it's just as simple as pulling out a stopwatch. And you know, sometimes I have to keep JC on track because he'll he'll look over and and ask what his time is, and you know when he's walking <laughs> or doing his uh doing any other exercises. So sometimes just a little motivation like that okay um, seems to help. And, and and I mean the effort he puts in is is incredible. I mean, and people people make comments all the time. Um, that see him in here, whether they know him or not. They're just so impressed with what he's able to do, and, and you know, he just comes in and, and puts in that effort every day, and, and he's seeing the results.
0: Awesome. So how do you guys kind of approach goal setting? So, like, do you guys talk like, all right, the next month, you know, we want to pull this kettlebell instead of this one. You know, like, how do you guys kind of – or you want to, like, you know, hit the golf ball ten yards further or whatever it might be?
1: Um. I like to say "Hi, like I love yours.
0: I'm I'm sure. Uh, assuming, yeah, comp- that you are uh, a, a two handicapped golfer. He, oh, okay. l- he
1: also works with a, a
2: got his old pro that he used to that used to instruct him. Okay. So they work together. So they've got like golf goals, and then you, and then John. Goals. So perform- you keep them separate, yeah. All right? And then score. he has an OT that comes to our house like three days a week, and they okay. have they have like social and you know future goals just. It, you know he's got lots of goals. All right. It's chipping
0: away <laughs> stuff. Do you get overwhelmed by by you know all the goals sometimes or Not really. Do you focus at one at a time or you can just kind of have them all in the back of your head?
1: Yeah, on the back of your head.
0: All right. Just like as the moment comes when you come to parabolic it's yep. it's time to lift when it's <laughs> when you're at home uh, it's occupational therapy or yeah. you're on the course you're swinging yeah. the club. All right. Mm. So when did you actually start swinging golf clubs? Was it before you got the parabolic
1: after before? Um
0: like, can you kind of explain like how you how you how you do it?
1: It two years after. Right?
2: Yeah, three years after. Three years post accident, yeah.
1: right? Yeah. And I do it one handed. Okay. Full shots.
0: So right, right handed,
1: right? I'm I'm actually lefty.
0: Oh, you're lefty. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. how was that?
1: It's hard. I'm sure. Yeah. They uh, had.
2: Oh, sorry. Oh. No, no. They had to figure it out because uh, balance is a huge issue with JC right. because of his uh, foot is sort of compromised after the drop foot and then he had a surgery but it's just it just compromises his um balance so you know taking a full swing is right i wish there i mean we've i really should we really haven't researched enough but we've asked so many people and no one seems to know anything but it's right, supposed to like shift your weight kind yeah of i mean it would be just so great if there was some sort of thing that he could wear that would Keep him right. balanced. I can kind of think of something. I know. Off the top I, I'm gonna like, try. Like a belt, you yes,
0: know, and then yes. it, you have like a, something. Maybe yeah. the golf cart. You like hook it up to the golf cart. I yeah. know. Like behind you. I yeah, don't know. something like that something would be fabulous.
2: Because then he could take a full swing. Right. Yeah. So what he does now is he puts the I hold the cane one
1: hand, left mm-hmm. hand, and I swing my right hand.
0: Okay, so the cane is what balances you when you bring your weight towards the cane, right? Right. Yeah. All right. So John, have you kind of what kind of stuff have you done to improve JC's balance um, during his training sessions?:
3: The biggest thing we do, uh, the, most, the most time he spends on one foot is when we work on walking. So okay. It's not like uh, true balance, but we you know at least once a week, we, we try to walk for 30 to 40 yards. You know we've been breaking it up into 10 yard 10yard uh, uh, chunks, and, and we time him. And this uh, is caneless. oh yeah yeah Yeah, without the cane yeah yeah yeah. so we'll walk without without the cane and and that's that's hard for him i know so we alternate one day we'll work on getting up and down off the ground which i can tell he likes more because he always comes in and asks if it's (laughs) if it's if it's get up and deadlift day uh so he really likes doing those but we we like to to try to get him to walk without the cane and and work on his balance that way
0: okay good stuff so jc when did you start going back did you have you start going back to school i'm online Online, uh, where are you taking classes at? Uh,
1: Southern New Hampshire. Okay.
0: Um. So has it been difficult? Uh, uh, is school challenge more challenging for you now than it was before?
1: It's actually kind of easier.
0: Oh, why is that? I had no idea. Oh, really? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: It's just more mature now.
0: Oh, maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't get distracted as easily. Really. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's good to hear. Um. So how much further do you have to go to before you get your degree?
1: Um. I'm halfway.
0: Halfway. All right. Yeah. Not too shabby considering mm-hmm. the, the road that you've uh, yeah. come across. you only two weeks into school b- yeah. before it happened. That's pretty crazy. You said that you got to meet Corey Weissman? Yeah. I forget if we said this before the podcast or before I started recording or not. But anyway, Corey Weissman's someone who I interviewed in one of my first episodes. He's another Gettysburg College um, graduate, and he played basketball, suffered from a AVM stroke. I, I don't know. I forget the yeah. acronym for it. But, um he had a, a long road to recovery as well, and, and you got to, to meet him. So what kind of stuff did Corey say to you, or what did you guys talk about?
1: He just talked about never giving up.
0: Yeah. Yep. Did you watch his movie? Yeah. It's definitely an inspirational mm-hmm. thing. It's a, a tearjerker, but mm-hmm. yeah. it, le- it leaves you feeling with a, a warm heart, I would I would describe it as. Um, so, JC, who's your favorite pro golfer? Uh,
1: Phil Mickelson. And why is that? Well, originally he was a lefty. Oh, uh, okay, lefty. Uh-huh. And but he was really good to me when I was sick. Oh really? What yeah. what did he do? Just emails and yeah. He sent some signed stuff.
0: Oh wow, that's yeah. awesome! Have you uh, talked to him in a while, or like do you uh, talk no. to him frequently? No. Huh. That's that's pretty cool. It's always funny because like you always get these experiences that like most people would never get, <laughs> but it, it takes this like you know incredible struggle in order to get mm-hmm. that. I know. Um,
2: people are really sweet. Yeah, you know, it's it just very,
0: sucks that it's yeah. when something bad happens. God, but, really? Um, all right. So, JC, what's the, been the greatest thing that you've learned about yourself, you know, after this experience, and still going through this experience?
1: Probably my perseverance.
0: How, how does how do you, do you think that's helped you in school at all? And yeah. when you when you come here, mm-hmm. so like how is how exactly has it changed your your mindset?
1: Never giving it up.
0: So like when things get tough out here, when you're. Having a hard time walking, you just yep. remember where you came from? Yeah. All right, awesome. So, Mom, how has JC inspired you?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I think he's pretty amazing because he doesn't ever give up. Um, we still have to push him a lot in certain areas. Um, but he he's just remained pretty positive throughout this whole thing. He's never complained, ever about yeah. any therapy or operation or hard struggle. He's never, like, whined about it. And, um, you know, this is a Was kid. he a whiny kid before yeah. that? Yeah, as a matter of fact, he was. <laughs> That's kind of the funny part about it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, we all are amazed by him. And, you know, it's a, it's a constant struggle, and we're always, like, looking for new things and new doctors and new therapies because so much stuff is, you know, Come along, right, and coming and happening. So, but it's you know it's a journey, so to speak.
0: Right. So. What do you want people to take from uh, JC's story?
2: Um. Oh gosh, I've met so many people along the way, and and it's so sad, and so many people aren't as fortunate as we have been and, um, but just never, ever give up, always stay positive. And I truly, truly believe that because we were so positive.
0: Like in the hospital and stuff. Yeah. I
2: mean, doctors can tell you the, the, the worst things that you don't want to hear. And so many people can, even doctors can be really negative. Right. And I just never, ever believed anything when they would when it was negative i'd just be like you know what i don't like that doctor we're moving on Find and else. and then they'd wind up being wrong i swear so um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah just, jc uh,
0: proving them wrong as always <laughs> that's right nice man. um <laughs> all right john how has jc inspired you and has it changed you know how you train
3: yeah you know it's uh it's impossible not not to feel motivated and inspired by by someone like jc um you know, we work in an environment where we're fortunate to work with a lot of a lot of young athletes and elite athletes, and, and that that's great and that's fun and and we enjoy doing that. But uh, you know, it just just to be a small part to to make a difference uh, with someone like JC is really what we're in this for. And, and you know, sometimes you come into work and then something bad happens personally, and you get in a certain mindset, and then and then JC comes in and and like his mother just said, never complains about a thing. Um, pushes himself, and just wants to, you know, just wants to live a normal life. And, and we just want to do the best we can to, to give that to him and, and you know, focus on what he can do and treat him like an athlete when he's here. Uh, but, yeah, it's impossible not to be inspired by someone like that, and, and I've been fortunate to, to be able to work with him now for a little bit.
0: Awesome. What do you want athletes who come into Parabolic who see you train in JC? What do you, what do you want them to, to take away from kind of his story and, and how far he's gotten?
3: Uh, I think, you know, especially with the young athletes and, and it's hard for them to probably grasp the concept, um, to, to just never take anything for granted. Mm. Uh, you, you never know, you never know when, when things could change and, you know, just on a dime and, you know, to, to take, take every advantage you can and put everything you can into everything you do. Like it, it's easy to get into a habit of going through the motions and not really, uh, not really enjoying the moment and, and putting everything into what you do and, and right when you see and, you know when they come in and, and see jc i think hopefully that gives them a little bit of a sense of how important that is
0: awesome yeah. uh, i just thought of something um jc do you get like frustrated when you're out on the the golf course yeah. because you're not where mm-hmm. you used to be yep so like how do you kind of deal w- with those frustrations hard. You're still trying to figure yeah. it out, right? Uh-huh. I'm the same way. You've played yeah. golf before, right, Kevin? Yeah, it's the most frustrating sport ever. <laughs> it's always, like, yeah. I can only imagine if you were actually good at one point in time and then you're struggling to get back to that, that same point. Um, it's hard. Yeah, so do you have any, like, tips or anything for, you know, people out there who might be struggling to get back? Maybe you're rehabbing from a knee injury or whatever, but when you get back on the field, you're not quite, you know, at the level that you used to be.
1: Just don't give up.
0: Don't give up? Yeah. Um, okay, so last question before we wrap the interview up. I'm going to ask everyone's personal definition of perseverance. Mm-hmm. JC, you want to start it off? Sure.
1: Never giving up.
0: S- All right. Staying with it. Staying focused, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Mom, what's yours?
1: Uh, Yeah, I
2: think staying focused and um, thinking about the future, but, but, but more living, like, Living, dealing, in, the living in the moment. But I like that. But not too far out in the future. Like, too far out is scary. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and as John was saying, you never know. Yeah, exactly. You never know. So, more like being in the moment.
0: One of my favorite little quotes is that you can't control what happens to you in life, but you can always control how you respond. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, that's True. a perfect example <laughs> of that.
3: Yeah, and I was going to say something along the same lines. You, n- you never know what's going to happen, uh, but... If you expect everything to always go perfectly, I I think, you know, me personally, when things don't go perfectly, it it affects me more. And then once I realized you can have a positive outlook and expect good things, but at the same time know that the storm's coming at some point and (laughs) and it just gives you a little more preparation, I think, and then ready to deal with it when it comes head on and and easier to push through.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much, guys, for coming in to talk with me before your training session. I hope it's a, a deadlift day and not a walking day for uh, you. <laughs> what is Squ- it, Jenna? Squat <laughs> day and walking day. Oh, all right. <laughs> the opposite of what we wanted. <laughs> well, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
3: Thanks.